Welcome to Season 4, Episode 1 of The People's Project. I am Matt Wong. I'm very pleased to be joined today with a co-host, uh, Emily from Voice of Victoria. Hello. Thank you for having me. You provide such a service, Voice of <laughs> Victoria. It's nice to see there is a human behind the voice. Yes, yes. No, I uh, tend not to put my face on anything unless I feel like being there adds value. So, uh, most does, of it's... But does this mean, though, we're going to be very political this episode? Yes, that's what I do. Uh, all right. All right. So t on tonight's episode, we're going to be talking about a few things. Obviously, the news this week in Parliament, Emily's going to bring to us states of emergency, Gladys flexing her muscles. I'm so proud of that girl. She's amazing. Gladys I'm, I'm is definitely one of a kind at the moment in this country. Yeah. I'm a big fan. I'm thinking about moving back to New South Wales. Uh, <laughs> and then we're going to talk about Caitlyn Jenner at the end. That's going to be fun. Oh, that's going to be interesting and divert off politics. Oh. I suppose it is a little bit political, isn't it? And she, well, she's had a lot of surgery, right? I'm going to bring in my own announcement about surgery that I'm okay. going to have. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All <laughs> this right. will be good. Let's go. All right. So let's start with what's happened recently in Victorian politics. So we have seen them all come back and sit basically for the first time as full two houses. Well, they've been on holiday. They've, well, they've had a six-week break, basically, other than a a brief um, regional sitting the other week. And, you know, all the houses are now full again. All the COVID restrictions are gone. The public can now come back and watch Parliament live in the gallery. So Which that, you did. Which I did. I popped into Parliament yesterday um, and had a little bit of a look. I do normally watch um, from a digital setup because I switch between the two houses mm. so often that to do so in person, going up and down yeah, those staircases do is not ideal. So what happened in Parliament this week? You got five points in front of me. They're so one of the yeah, so one of the biggest things that happened was the Liberals have been chasing the curfew documents that the government used uh, around you know placing the curfew on Victoria. Um, full credit to David Davis and to Ed O'Donoghue. They have been so relentless in chasing the government for a lot of these documents, saying yeah. you've made all of these. Um, you know, these rules and these laws, where's the proof? Where is the supporting evidence? And they have been fantastic about just being a dog with a bone. They have been going after this stuff for months. So it came out this week, um, documents that they called for back in September 2020. That's a while ago, yep. Yep, so yep. of the 11 documents identified in the scope, the government has come out and said they have executive privilege over, I think it was, yep, six of them in full. Now, executive... Huh. Yeah. So what executive privilege means is the government can say, no, you can't look at that. Yeah. Because for whatever reason, it contains private or confidential information. Now, typically the only documents subject to this with um, executive privilege will be things like cabinet and confidence, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, if it's internal policy making to an extent, you can kind of understand that the meetings are not intended for public consumption. Mm. Or publicly identifiable things, if it names people and so on. Yeah. I get that. But this is not what we're talking about in this case. No, this includes the human rights assessment. Ah, we're not allowed to see them. We're not allowed to see them. So this was this was really interesting. So they've come out and they've said that there are six documents they have executive privilege over. Mm. And, you know, of, I think they said it was four of them, um, Limbrick came up and he sort of pointed out, he's like, these are the documents I've been calling for for months. You're turning around and saying you have executive privilege over four of them, which are human rights assessments. Doesn't the Victorian public have a right to know no, clearly what not. moral workings... Like, that was the exact question. Don't the public have a right to what know? Did, what did he say? 
Um, what did the Attorney General say? It was not probably a word salad. Look, I think the, the the thing is we are too dumb, too stupid. We cannot see the human rights assessments. Just trust the government. I think that's the message of the whole show, isn't it? Well, Just the exact response from Jacqueline Symes was on the basis that a disclosure would be contrary to the public interest. Aha! It is in the public interest to be treated like a mushroom, kept in the dark and fed. Beep! Someone beat me out so I can say the <laughs> word. Yeah, so, and I mean, like, don't get me wrong, of the other side, Symes is someone who I will personally say is quite a favourite of mine. I, I think like she's, I like Symes. I think she is very intelligent. This is the leader of the government in the upper house. The Jacqueline leader of the government Symes. in the upper house, yeah. Jacqueline Symes. So she's the Attorney General. So she replaced yeah. um, Hennessy. Jill Hennessy. Jill Hennessy, who left for stress or whatever reasons, but that's... To have a wine in the Northern Territory. Mm. No, that was, um, that wasn't her, that was something else. Mikakos. No, that was... Um, oh, my goodness. Who went to How one? many ministers are we going it was through? The, no, Neville was the one who went to Final Lisa Queensland. Neville, that's Lisa Neville, right. so she is Police also minister. on leave. So this is why... Everyone's on leave. Everyone's on leave. And this came up the other week. Uh, Molino was unveiling something, and it was acting premier, acting yeah, minister for this, yeah. and, you know, deputy CHO, and I was... You have to go, okay, so... No one's left. Where's the governance? Hey, I really want to ask... This second point is very interesting, mm. this Ratnam thing. Because I I don't I didn't fully understand what the Greens so Samantha Ratnam's the leader of the Greens. Yeah. Right? So she's the leader of the Greens in Victoria. Yeah, and they're trying to um, stop minor part trying to change the rules so minor parties like uh, Liberal Democratic Party, the Shooters Party, Animal Justice Party can't get in. Fiona Patton. You described it really well. You called it pulling the ladder up behind her after she's climbed up. Yeah. So this was this was such a highlight of this week, and this is one of the reasons I wish they had playback for Parliament because mm. this was a beautiful moment of democracy. The crossbench in the upper house, which is obviously comprised of parties that are not the three major ones, so Liberal, Labor, or Libnats, yeah. uh, Labor and the Greens, it's the crossbench. Um, so you've got a bunch of minor parties and the way that the voting in the upper house works is group voting tickets. So yeah. that's shortened to GVT. So that's what's been in the media. Yeah. And the way that this process works, which most people would be aware of, is you vote above the line or below. Yeah. So you put a one for the party you want. And that's it. Or, or you number. specify yeah. below. Yeah. Now, what they're talking about with group voting tickets is preference deals behind the scenes that are not necessarily publicly disclosed. So... It's pretty typical for Labor to preference the Greens. Everyone mm. kind of knows mm. that. But if you get something like, say, for example, someone starts a party called the Kangaroo Party. Love it. Yeah. We'll Sign me up. I'm running. <laughs> Couldn't have been the weirdest name we've had so far. And they decide to do a preference deal and say, all right, if we don't get enough votes to get in, their votes have to go somewhere. Yes, yes. And it's that deal behind the scenes that the public doesn't know about that is the point of discourse in this particular issue. Saying, you know, that's not who the public voted for, Yeah, you shouldn't be here. Now, the argument is that the vote isn't wasted, which I actually personally do agree with. I think that somewhere, yeah. the theory behind it, I believe, is if you're going to vote for one party, they're going to preference someone who represents their most similar values after that. Yeah. So the idea is if your vote doesn't go exactly where you want, then it will go the closest next thing. But this is how the Greens have built their base around the country. Correct. So preference voting, particularly yeah. through Labor, which I have my own opinions on. And so, so what is Ratnam trying to do? She wanted to abolish it. She Not preference voting. She, she wanted to abolish the ability for people to do 
that behind the scene preference sharing, which was how we saw the upper house have the structure that it is. Um, so what would happen then if she succeeds? Mm-hmm. You can still you still have preferences, preference yeah, yeah. deals, but you what is she? What she's basically trying to do is remove the ability of a party to get say point zero, so zero point eight percent of a total vote, yeah. but they get a seat in the house. Yeah, but because how she is said she... that that's not representative. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's how the Greens got in. 10 years ago. That's how the Greens got in 10 years ago. And this is what all the smaller parties were saying. And it was um, Limbrook who really made this point during the, the debate on the motion saying, you know, there was around, I think it was 23% or so of the vote that was contributed for the upper house wasn't for one of the big three. Yeah, that's and a lot. That's a lot. And, you know, the crossbench roughly kind of comprises that and Ratnam's argument to this because for some reason she live tweeted basically as a, an abusive comment about every single crossbench member's yeah. arguments to her proposal. Uh, her argument was, well, not all those votes were for you, so you're not actually representing them. What do you mean they weren't for you? So all we know statistically is that, say, 23% yeah. of the votes didn't go That's to those right. three right. and that this crossbench is the result. Yeah. Exactly where those votes went may not have actually been those parties. Uh-huh. But like I said in my commentary, they still wanted not you. 23% yeah. wanted not you three, and Late, they've got that. Greens, yeah. yeah, they wanted not that. This, this is so typical. Like, if we will be really generous to Samantha Ratner, I think we still can't come up with an explanation of this besides pulling up the ladder behind her after she's already climbed up because they would be threatened as the minor parties grow. That would uh, eat away at the Greens' influence, right? Correct, and it was Rod Barton, who's one of the crossbench members, who made a... Transport re- Matters Party. Yes, so the taxi guy, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the wa- that's Limo, how- limos. Limos, taxis, that sort of thing. That's what he really advocates for. Mm. And um, Not for me. Can I just say, I had a rental car business before the lockdown, and I emailed him to say, look, I'm because all my bookings were cancelled for rentals. And uh, crickets, nothing. Won't return my email. Thanks, Rod. Yeah, look, some of them aren't the best with responding to emails. But that being said, I like this is just my personal take. I could not agree with having the smaller parties in the crossbench more. Yes, they bring very niche views to the table, but society is comprised of niche views. You know, you get Mm. parties like Borman, who is the Shooters, Mm. Fishers and Farmers. Mm. He, in my opinion, brings a lot of regional issues, very specific farmer regional issues. You know, goes on and on about it. The duck hunting in particular, yes. But he's also done things with, obviously, like shooting. He's done things on, um, you know, the rights of shooters and... It's almost like you need someone who has that niche. Yeah. Yes, it's not necessarily broadly encapsulating, but, you know, the Greens themselves are such a niche at this point. It's Well, can I point out that people often say they want direct democracy, where mm. we, the citizens, can decide whether we're going to have gay marriage or whether we are going to have, like, stop... Because they were annoyed with gay marriage. They're annoyed that the Liberal Party was doing one thing, whatever. We want to have our say, right? Same with all these issues about duck hunting or whatever. Well, the closest way to get to a more direct connection to the outcomes in our political system is through lots of minor parties. I And I agree lots with that. You know, I would love to see actually more of the shooters, fishers and farmers come in because I feel like they are very good at representing niche regional issues. Yeah. Um, Clifford Hayes, who's Sustainable Australia, is very big on controlling development. So development is a massive issue in Melbourne, yeah. depending on where it's approved. Yeah. Um, one thing I do support that the Labor government has done is uh, passed a planning, um, a change in planning so that the Yarra is protected. Yeah. So the actual, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. So, so you can't develop along the river. Pretty much. You can't, and the developments cannot over the shadow of the river. So river, and so it really protects 
that natural landmark in Melbourne. So that's it's, something they've done, amazing. I agree with. I'm from Sydney, a raging capitalist, and I go <laughs> on the uh, Yarra Valley River on my bike all the time. And the fact that you can be like 15 minutes from the city in queue along the main Yarra Trail, and there's kangaroos and horses and hay bales and... This raging capitalist says, yep, yeah, let's just stop all the capitalism around the Yarra River and, and just lock it up like they have. I think mm. it's great. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. I think it's it was just fantastic. So to go back to what happened, though, Ratnam put this up, every single smaller party. And like, I'm sitting there and I'm agreeing with Andy Medic, who I typically don't agree with. <laughs> Animal Justice Party, who's a bit of a clown in the lockdown. Moving forward, the end result was... Uh, Ratnam's motion lost spectacularly. There was one vote for it, which was hers, and everyone else voted. <laughs> I'm sorry, you need a hug, Samantha. Come okay. have a hug. I've invited her on, and she'll get a fair go here. But okay, so but even her colleagues didn't vote for it. She's the only green in the upper house. Yeah, here we go. All right. So okay. anyway. no, she she crashed and burned on that one, and it looks like she may have some issues with her own group voting tickets at the next election after what she's done. Yay. So um, yeah, but. The thing that this has also come up and was discussed is the fact that another proposal has been put forward by um, Fiona Patton. All of our favourites today. Yep, Fiona Patton. Yep, everyone's favourites. So she has put forward a proposal that obviously we're talking about preference deals. Yes. We're talking about, you know, nothing. none of that is illegal. Yeah. Now, one thing that is controversial is paying someone to do the preference deals uh, for you yeah, yeah. or tying money into it. The preference whisperer. Mr. Drury himself, yeah. who I very much yeah. hope to meet one day. Just mm. for interest. Mm. Um, he is apparently going to be back on the scene for the next election. Uh, it is currently not illegal in any way, shape or form to engage the services of someone to help barter preference deals on your behalf. But Patton wants to ban it. And Patton wants to ban it, which is literally how she got in. What do you mean? Uh, yeah, through Drury? She used Drury to get in the first time. So she's pulling up the ladder behind herself as well. Correct. But she already did that. I believe it was at... The, not the first time she got elected, the second time. She... This is a depressing segment. It is. <laughs> this is people trying to get in and pull the ladder up behind them. Um, so she did benefit from that in the past. She now seems to feel as if it is unfair, which is ironic. Um, and so... It's hypocritical, that's what that is. Yeah, so you've got Ratnam who tried to ban the whole thing and everyone went, that's ridiculous. We feel as if it is more representative. But now we have patterns... Um, proposal that she said she will put forward where she wants to ban the ability to pay for it, which doesn't remove the ability to do preference deals. Mm. But again, it probably gives an advantage to parties who have more assets and resources who they can just allocate to do those sorts of things. She's a joke. Didn't she try and ban free speech recently? She, that bill about um, violence towards, you know, because she got all those emails and she claimed, oh, people are being threatening towards me and she wanted to bring some legislation in oh, to prevent bullying. That one was in relation to a somewhat inappropriate comment by another politician in the House where when she voted for the state of emergency extension, she was obviously yeah. getting yeah. <clears throat> resoundingly abused online for yeah. doing so. Yeah. And one of the comments that came out from a fellow MP, James Newbury, uh, reference the Kama Sutra yeah. and her changing positions more often than that, which obviously yeah. a lot of people choose when they're criticising her to criticise her past career. She was obviously previously a sex party. She was, yeah, a, right. she was a sex worker. Oh, I didn't know that she was a sex worker. Yeah, yeah. That's, oh. that's how she got elected. She I was, know sex party, but I didn't know that yeah, she was yeah, a Yeah, she was a sex worker. Mm -hmm. prostitute? Yeah, well, yeah, this, prostitute. Is, this is why all her Twitter, when people are angry at her, all they do is call her a whore. Oh, now I get the link. Yeah. and you, Thought you, they were just <laughs> mad. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, they just picked this insult. No. So for me personally, I will never use that. 
I and I spoke out about this when it happened with the state of emergency. Yeah. I will criticize the job she is doing right now. Sure. I will criticize the decisions she's making. But she's done a good thing as well. She has. I have agreed with her this week. So her um, proposal to try and ban the payment for preference yeah. votings, we haven't seen that play out yet. Yeah. That will come. But she also put forward a motion this week that I actually really agree with. Um, it was to change the way petitions work in Parliament. And it's to, she's basically proposed introducing a system that is kind of based off the US where if a petition hits a certain number of signatures, yes. no matter what, it has to be considered by parliament Love and it. a formal response must be given. So I, this happened in America. The threshold has now been increased to 100,000. Okay. So any petition that gets 100,000 votes must be considered by the White House and a formal response must be given. Yeah. Now... Every now and then, the public do stupid things. She got up and she was talking about the fact that a group in America decided they wanted yeah. a real-life Death Star to be built. And it got over the 100,000 signatures. And it got over 100,000 well, signatures. Well, then build it. Biden? They, they didn't... This is... I think this was back a little while ago. They didn't build it, yeah. um, but that is very much the, you know, the American version of yeah, but what you, you, Bodie McBoatface here. Oh, I love Bodie McBoatface. But you get in, you get a response. That's great. So I hope that yeah. gets up. Yeah, so that actually went really well. Most people seem to agree with it. And I think... Not the major parties, surely. Well, I believe the Libs do. The Libs... Oh, OK. Um, right. And I would be interested to see Labor try and advocate against this. It's very reasonable. Um, no, but they voted against Fresh Air a few weeks ago. They did, but remember how many things that they protest against that they want to see petitions go up for. I just feel like they're going to be hypocrites and go against it now and later on try and bring it back in. We'll see. Ladder I mean, pulling up. Remember, it, remember, it's coming from Patton, and she works with them, so they don't necessarily have the impetus to say no on principle the way oh, they do okay. for everything the for Libs Limbrick. put up. Yeah, yeah. Or, okay. or Limbrick, who they have for a real sure. yeah. <laughs> thing for. But mm. I think this is really important because it means that there is just one more step towards people feeling like they have the ability to have a voice in parliament. It adds something to the democratic process or adds a little bit more to the democratic process, mm -hmm. which I'm obviously always in favour of mm -hmm. because, you know, you get examples like what's happened in WA recently with McGowan getting re-elected in a landslide, which partially is to do with how bad his opposition was, and some of the slightly questionably democratic things he's done since. <laughs> And what is your problem with the biggest baller in the world, Mark McGowan? Oh, McClown. McClown. Yeah. He's a he's a player, man. He is certifiably insane. Uh, he has gone and gotten re-elected in a landslide. Partially. He's a hero now. Yeah. He is a mental health case. Do you uh, know all the people on Discernible when they when we comment about WA through one of our shows, the people who jump on and defend this guy, they're all when you click on their profile, they're all from. WA. Oh, 100%. I don't know what it is. He's a hero. So I was speaking to someone who lives over there and they had come to Melbourne for a holiday. And at this point, we'd had like a little bit of an outbreak mm. and, you know, there was a bit of restrictions introduced. This is around Christmas time. And they were getting calls from their family in WA saying, oh my God, are you locked in the house? Yeah. Are you completely locked down? They're going, yeah. what are you talking about? We just, we went for dinner. Yeah. Apparently the media over in WA basically makes it sound like Armageddon. Oh. Everyone is dying in the streets. In Victoria, he has yeah. saved you from certain plague. Yeah. All these sorts of things. And so they he's really played that up to the point where he is, you know, yeah. king on high for protecting them or whatever, despite how... Um, well, he has said publicly last week 
what we do here is much more protective for our economy than what Gladys is doing screwing it up in New South Wales. He actually publicly said we're doing a better job with lockdown strategy. Mm, this is why I think he's insane because that's, that is insane. You know, no, everyone is terrified to go to WA or anywhere near it because you're just going to get locked down. Anything happens, you're locked out of home. Anything happens, you're locked in WA. He is big on um, reverse engineering quarantine. So ooh, you've been here for a week, don't care into quarantine for two weeks for you. Oh, that's right. He in reverse, uh, whatever you call it, looks into the past. Yeah. You t he, okay, so he just did a lockdown recently for three days. Yes. For one case. One case, and, and then, he said it worked because nothing happened. Like there was no. This outbreak. is no, no, no. This is what keeps happening. People keep it. thinking these snap lockdowns do anything, and if you look at the most basic level of data, did it restrict any relevant movement? And the answer is no. No. And you know, half of the time it's happening in the past. Oh, we're you know, it's giving people contact tracing efforts. You don't even know if it's overwhelmed. You're yeah, locking down before you even know. It's it's a joke. And but hang on, it's also a foregone, a fait accompli because whatever happens, you can always say it worked. Hundred percent. There, there was heaps of cases. Like we locked down, there was no cases because we had a lockdown. Yeah, and it's you know that self fulfilling prophecy of you know if you don't um, scratch your foot or something like that, then mm. nothing bad will happen. It's like well, mm. I didn't do it. Nothing bad happened. It's but like he did. But look, he yeah. did achieve quite a lot. He he got state of emergency. Through to 2022. Yes, now that he has been re-elected in a landslide, which don't know what happened to the Liberal Party over there, but they need so much help. It is unbelievable. Yep. Anyone who yep. thinks our opposition yep. is bad needs to look over there. Yep. Um, and so he has taken that in stride. I believe he's also made himself treasurer. Yeah. Well as, which is... He's got the biggest, biggest party room you've ever seen. Mm. And he's also... Couldn't find any treasures. Yeah, it's very questionable. <clears throat> so to add on to his... Uh, lack of interest in proper democratic processes, he has decided that the state of emergency should go till 2022. It'll go beyond that too. Can I ask a question, right? This is a hypothetical, but in previous, in our history on this planet, humans, the bad humans amongst us who have, who have taken over and done dodgy things to countries, they do it through uh, states, strange states of law, like states of emergency, and they declare them longer and longer and eventually you have a permanent state of emergency. This is what happened in Germany. This is what happened in everywhere. Uh, when do we get to say this state of emergency situation, especially in WA, is permanent? So one thing that I really want to touch on here that I think is not uh, mentioned very often is the reason the states will always extend the state of emergency is because that's what legally allows them to detain someone who hasn't broken a law. So quarantine. Yeah. And so this idea of cases popping up in order to justify extending the state of emergency, no, silly. they will extend it no matter what. Because if you have people in quarantine and you don't extend it, you no longer have the ability to enforce them staying there. That's so tell why me why it. then, my question is, why wouldn't he then extend it again from 22 to 2023? I don't see why at this point. There comes a point, I mean, there does come a point where federal needs to step in and say, no, this is what's happening. I mean, he's talked about WA seeding from Australia. That is just... Yeah. That's what they've been. We've heard about that my whole life, but the the reasons why they're extending it for another year is going to be here next year too. This is going to go on forever. Yeah. So this is what happened in Victoria's state of emergency, where it got extended until December. So for those who aren't aware, it the actual legislation itself is now allowed to be used up until December. Um, it is renewed on a rolling month to month basis. Yeah. It is not required to go through Parliament in order to do so. The yeah. CHO can do that himself. Yeah. And so this is why I get this question a lot. 
And so the agreement, however, given how dramatic everything was when the extension went through, was that by December we must have specific legislation to deal with quarantine because it's not an emergency, you just need it for quarantine. We had that, thanks to the QCs that we reported on, was ignored. They did a draft. Um, it's pretty good. Well, Patton's justification for allowing the nine-month extension was she was told by the QC who informs the government that it would actually take them that long to do the legislation. But that's why these other QCs did it within a week. Yeah, yeah. To but, prove that you don't need nine months. But in order for Patton to justify the way that she voted, she came out and publicly said, I asked the QC who advises the government. They told me it will take nine months to do it appropriately and we'll review it. And, you know, you speak to those QCs. I had the opportunity to speak to them at one You've point. You've met them, yeah. I yeah, have. I've met yeah. them. Really great people. Yeah. Um, and speaking to them about, you know, does this really take that long? They go, they're the government. They have access to as much legal help as they want yeah, to pay for. Yeah. There is no... They want to pay for. That I pay for. You pay for. Thank you very much. Well, we pay for them, so there's nothing that exists in government that we, the taxpayer, don't pay for. Okay, so you know what's going to happen, though, prediction? We're going to get to the nine-month mark. There's going to be a... There'll be some... They'll give us a little bit, but it'll be more kick-the-ball-down-the-road stuff. No, no. They will... I'm telling you, they, they will have that legislation. I, I think it's going to be uh, another fight. Anyway. I think it will be another fight, but I actually think that they will produce quarantine-specific legislation, but something bigger is going to come before that. What do you mean? The Grand Prix in When's November. That? When's that? Okay, okay. So they've pushed that back. So they cancelled it last year. Yeah. They've pushed it back from March this year. Now, the Grand Prix is actually one of the biggest international events that we host. This is the only thing that moves Melbourne's, Melbournians, is the tennis and the Grand Prix. So what's going to happen? We've got a big event coming that will force the government to do what? What's your prediction? This is going to force the gov federal government to have to make a choice about what they're going to do on the border. I'm, you, The amount of people that have to come here for the Grand Prix... It's international, yes. ...is international. And whether or not Hotel quarantine. whether or not they'll allow tourism because that's uh, where the money comes from this I can't explain to you how much the Grand Prix is worth to this city and it's our number one thing right and then the AO I think that's the order yeah, yeah but they're both the top but internationally the, those two yeah, are the, yeah, pretty much the biggest yeah. and so the Grand Prix Melbourne definitely doesn't want to lose that that's a big big global event and so I think we will see a lot more come out about what they want to do with the borders and why before November, and that will impact what our state government will decide to do with that legislation. But I, I thought it was all about. I thought it was all based on health advice. I thought it had nothing to do with um, economy. Oh, as someone who used to work in government, believe me, you do not want to know how briefs get written. Oh. Hello, I'm Damien Curry from the Other Side Australia. Are you finding it hard to keep up with the craziness of politics and media goings on in Australia and the world? Well, in just one hour a week or less, we'll bring you a summary of everything you need to know without the woke identity politics overlay. Don't yes, you exactly need to pull your head in. We'll call out the BS of the mainstream media so you can see through the left-wing spin. And we'll lay a different spin on things. A liberal, centre-right, individual responsibility, freedom-loving, free markets and free people perspective spin. Without lying to you that we are somehow all neutral. Yes. You need to be quiet. So, if you want to get the other side of the story, join me every week here on the Discernible platform for The Other Side Australia. The show that talks back to the endless complaining and jabbering of the Aussie elites. Okay, you're in a position of responsibility and I think you're failing in that and duty. And I'll continue, I'll continue to speak the truth and tell the truth. The Other Side Australia, 
uploads every Wednesday night on all discernible platforms. You know what? Let's let's take the show on a happy trip to a happy state. Let's the go. The land of lollipops and rainbows and milk and honey from which I hail and will return imminently. The Gladys of, Town. The land of common sense. I'm I'm renaming it from New South Wales. You know what? Tasmania and Adelaide and South Australia might be common sense as well, but nobody cares they're too small. But apparently <laughs> apparently they're they're not going too crazy. Or no, South Australia had the extra crazy moment of making up the pizza box strain. Oh, that's right. And then got internationally lambasted <laughs> for the fact that they made up a new strain. He didn't. I have <laughs> shut up resolutely ever since. <laughs> yes, but that's what I was gonna say, he didn't commit. Like he, no, they, <laughs> they got halfway through the lockdown. They're like, no, no, it's done. It's done. Lift it. Lift it. Yeah, and now where is he? All right, I'm going to read you a little bit about uh, Gladys. Mm. So Gladys has new restrictions in New South Wales for our New South Wales viewers. Came on last night at 5 p.m., so Thursday night. And today's Friday. Well, you are under restrictions which include indoor masks and no more than 20 people in a home after the a case of the Indian COVID strain in a barbecue man's a barbecue man's wife? That's <laughs> poorly written by the, the age. Yeah. So your restrictions currently in New South Wales are limited to 20 guests in your house, mask compulsory indoors. You're not allowed to drink while standing up. You have yep. to sit down. And you can't dance unless you're at a wedding. And then they, strong, <laughs> they strongly recommend that no more than 20 people dance. Yes, but you're not allowed to dance anywhere else. And, and you... Uh, also can't uh, sing, you can't sing, you can't sing. Now, the one thing I will point out that all of these uh, articles do, even this one, New South Wales brings in more restrictions. Mm. It's for Sydney. Stop saying New South Wales. That's a good do point. Do people understand realize. how big the friggin' state is? Look, she's we, a legend. We are the only state so far that's been... <coughs> Sorry, I had to sneeze some coronavirus out there. <laughs> um... We are the only state that has actually been stupid enough to do a statewide mandate. All the, even even WA, Queensland seem to understand that metro and regional are not the same thing. Well, this this segment is about a smackdown on how much Gladys is. She's finally standing up and and standing by her policies in the face of the other premiers. Because this is another article, right? Gladys Berejiklian defends. This is the second one. Defends bringing in restrictions because people slammed her and says that other premiers would have locked down their states and they didn't. This is so cool. So let me read you some quotes. She says, our decision is based on advice. She's the only one, they all say this, but she's the only one that means it. It's proportionate. If this was Queensland or Western Australia or anywhere else, they would have shut down the whole city. They would have shut down businesses. They would have said, stay home. They would have stopped events. They would have said, don't go about your business. But unlike other premiers, we're not shutting down the city. We're saying to everybody, it's business as usual. And everybody will be able to go about their business despite the restrictions. Common sense, or at least a little bit more. The one thing I will also point out is I think she's only put them in for like, what, four days? Yeah, oh yeah, also, it's only for the Mother's Day weekend, everyone. So, end of Sunday, it'll be over. So, Monday, you're back to normal anyway. And then that's not a lockdown, that's nothing. You, Those are rookie numbers. You gotta pump up those numbers, Sydney. I think the, the most interesting thing is she's actually right. So, the cases or whatever that they've got are what would technically be classified as unlinked. They've got no idea where they that's came right. from, there's no link to HQ or quarantine. Yep. Now, we've seen other states like Queensland, like WA, uh, even Victoria, where it is linked 
they know there is no instance of unknown community transmission and they freak out and lock down the entire mm. city. Mm. She has that scenario of they have no idea where this came from, supposedly, mm. and she doesn't. She's like, nope, they will do their jobs. There is no need to, to react like this. And so well. the fact that she's kind of taking that stand still, I think in some ways people feel as if she's jumped to put something in place, but yep. I feel like at least... It's only four days of minimal things. Minimal, minimal. And she is very good at taking things off the second. She does. Yeah, she actually takes them off. No businesses closed. Okay, we're making fun of you that you can't sing New South Wales, but none of your businesses have had to close. You said they locked down whole cities. Not down in here, Victoria. They locked down our whole damn state. Mm. Remember that? Even in regional, that was a joke. That was ridiculous. Anyone who thinks of locking down regional areas that have never had a single issue that are, yeah, what, three and a half hours from Melbourne. Yeah. Uh, and his reasoning, his reasoning was uh, it's too hard in such a short snap lockdown to put up a ring of steel. That's ridiculous. What a, what a it's just ridiculous. Hey, uh, I want to talk about one more thing about Gladys. Watch this video. This is her announcing this whole um, thing about going about your business. The reason why we limit, for example, people coming to your home to 20 is that we know uh, within households is how the disease spreads most rapidly. Um, and if there's only 20 people in a household, it means only 20 people are exposed as opposed to a larger number. And indoors, we're saying to people, go about your business. If you've got plans for Mother's Day, keep doing it. If it's outdoors or indoors. See, this is fascinating to me because... The way she la she she positions her language and the, the way she pushes a certain... I mean, you're from politics. That's deliberate, right? The language you use as a premier to, to lead your state into a more hyped-up sense or a when she's saying, relax, go about your business, whereas our premiers say, hey, this is a deadly, deadly strain. It's serious, it's serious. I think people underestimate a little bit how deliberate most things in politics are. Um, whether or not leaders are naturally good speakers or not, or whether or not it is entirely pre-planned, you can get a very good cultural feel of what kind of leader they are from the words they choose to use. She doesn't want panic. I don't know if you've noticed, but there wasn't a single comment about people panic buying toilet paper in New South Wales. Oh, wow. That is a good point. No one panics. Because they're, they know. Because they're like, yep. Yeah, that's fine. It'll sort itself out. No one panics. They're not they're not trading on that currency of fear and we'll look after you, let us, you know, get into all of your business and run everything for you the way that a lot of the let's be honest left states do. Victoria, Western Australia and Queensland, yeah. Yeah. They love it. They're like lockdown, we'll look after you. Now now that JobKeeper has ended, and I said this, um, they do not have the finance or the capacity to lock down yeah. the way that they used to. Yeah. Now, what we've also seen, other than the drop in the political popularity of a snap lockdown in yeah. WA, because they copped that first one over one case, yeah. and then what, 10 days later, yeah. another one? Yeah. And all of a sudden, people are like, oh, well, oh, maybe Hang not on. again yeah. so soon. Yeah. We can't afford this. Yeah. Because both WA and Queensland did not offer any financial support. Yes, yes. And after what happened in Victoria during the last five-day snap lockdown, there was basically no financial support and the That's losses right. that businesses experienced was just astronomical. That was Valentine's Day, wasn't it? Yeah. And so the political goodwill in the citizens in these states is, particularly Victoria, going very thin. In New South Wales, not the case. And, and, and she's doing it on Mother's Day. Yeah. Bravo. Yeah. And so, Bravo. you know... 
everyone else, they go, yep, don't care about your holidays. And I will say this for Gladys, there are issues with her government in general, some of the corruption things that have happened, which is one of the reasons why... I guess from my perspective, it's I find it difficult to wax lyrical and say how absolutely wonderful she is because outside of COVID, in there, this are, minor there are problems. Issue, she's brilliant. However, in this minor issue, she has excelled her comments the other week towards the federal health minister, which is her own party. Biggest load of rubbish I've ever heard, she said. Yep. To Greg that, That's what you want to hear. You want someone who is not bowing to populist. Amen. Can greatness. I... So I'm not crazy in thinking that her positioning of her language is deliberate and different from the other premiers. Absolutely. Completely deliberate, completely different. It feels that way to me. I mean, as someone who spent the vast majority of the last 12 months watching all of the presses for Victoria, um, many people know that I would summarise them for people so they didn't have to watch them. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. That was actually one of the biggest things people came to the page for. They just, they go, I can't watch those presses or I'll put something through my TV. All right, quick announcement. We're doing a GoFundMe to raise money for psychological counselling for Emily (laughs) for what she went through for all of our benefits. You can donate below. Well, I got paid in wine for a speaking gig the other week. So this yeah. is kind of like a different kind of fundraising plan. Alcohol, psychedelics. That's what you need to get through them. I tell you what, some of those court cases that I sat through, I drank a fair bit sitting there watching them. <laughs> that was pretty painful. All right. Maybe we'll cut that out. Um, no. <laughs> we, we, need to, uh, we need to vindicate someone, someone who's been vindicated. We need to do a, a heartfelt moment uh, for a poor um, citizen, in, were they, was Nebulizer Man in Victoria? He yeah, he's in Victoria. Victoria. All right, for, for Nebulizer Man. <laughs> Nebulizer Man. Sounds like a superhero name. Kind of. I mean, I think a couple of the loops got up and said he's my hero, so. <laughs> so Nebulizer Man, all right, let's talk about what it is. Back in uh, February 2021, the government used this man as a scapegoat for the outbreak, did that? Yeah, that caused the snap lockdown for uh, Valentine's Day on the thirteenth. This is a man in hotel quarantine who got permission to use his nebulizer, and the government, including Dan Andrews, he was still up at the podium at the time. I saw with my own eyes. I saw Dan Andrews take a question from a journalist saying, "How can you uh, bury this whole lockdown on this poor man, a nebulizer, who, who got permission to use it?" And he just kept on burying the man. The whole government kept on burying nebulizer man, saying it's his fault. He let the virus escape into the hallways. I cannot begin to explain how much of a theme this was in Question Time in Parliament. It was this week. No, back when back it happened. Then. Oh, it was relentless. Like everything, obviously, in Question Time is very topical. Yeah. Um, but this was just relentless. And when it came out that um, the government obviously tried to blame him, yeah. and then suddenly it came out that he said, "What are you talking about? I got permission to do this." Absolute pandemonium. You know, the libs just jumped on it and would not drop it in question time, Good saying, on. how could you blame this man where it was your poor processes, yeah. etc." And obviously it's come out this week that- Right, before you get to this week, back in February, the guy asked for an apology from the Premier. He says, I want the Premier to call me and wants the Premier to make a public apology. And everyone, as this is back in February, has been talked about this guy who has been brutalised by a government system. So uh, three months later, what's happened this week? So three months later, it's now come out this week that, uh, and this is, the wording is a bit debated. However, it's come out that it was not entirely his fault, full stop. I thought it was not his fault at all. No, they've done a, it depends on who who you ask 
reporting. So some of the media have come out and said it was actually caused by an open door. The government and Molina in particular in Parliament has been very adamant that no, the nebulizer was still They're still going after contributed him. to the problem. Alright, that's not right. So so as a result they weren't wrong. So this, but you're talking about the confidential government report, the incident report that came that got leaked to the Australian. Yep. Yeah, so what in that report it basically said that there was another issue. Yeah. And so the way it's gone in the media is this is vindicated nebulizer man, which to an extent it has. The concept that you can blame this on a single individual who did the wrong thing is now non grata. Yeah. And however, the government is turning around and saying, "Oh, but it, it, that's still a problem. We weren't wrong. That's still a contribute. That was a contributing problem." But the problem here is, even if that's true, back in February they had this incident report, and they still allowed this one man to continue to be demonised. And now we've we've got a quote here. It says, "A member of the public can be used as a scapegoat to cover up a broken system." Um, what the point is? They knew back then. It's not like now they're backtracking and saying, yeah, maybe it wasn't all so, his fault. one thing with this government in particular, they don't do nuance. They don't do detail. The easiest response is the simplest. And this, this is very typical of governments in general, but very much this one that we have here in Victoria, where getting that response saying, oh, you know, it was a little bit this, might have been that, whatever. Nebulizer, very simple. This is it. Yeah. That's it. It's done. And whereas if you come out and you actually communicate with people and say, oh, well, it might have been these different things. Because remember as well, that report indicates that there was more than one problem. Yeah, there's a few problems. Yeah. And no government is going to say, if you say to a government, hey, there's three problems and you're like, we'll pick one. Use that one as the excuse for what happened. Yeah, but this is at the expense of one poor man. I don't know if you've noticed, but they don't really care. <laughs> it is so true. It just annoys me that they've they've used they didn't just pick one of three non-human problems they non-animate inanimate problems they picked the human and they destroyed his. An individual is always easier to target, and like this is true. This is one of the reasons why I work under a brand because the brand has a point. An individual is very easy to target and discredit, and yeah. therefore place the blame. If they turn around and say it's another system error. Guess whose fault it is? It's theirs. Uh, that's why they had to go after the nebulizer. If man. you have an individual who is therefore to blame, then all of a sudden, that's the problem. There's the individual. Everything is isolated around that. If you start talking about, okay, this was a system problem again. We didn't follow protocol. Our systems were bad. That's them. They're very good at this. They are, good. Uh, full credit to them. This government and Dan Andrews is a lot of things. Bad at politics isn't one. <laughs> The best. He, the he is just like you see the rest of his party talk. They get up, presses, oh, whatever. Yeah. No one can spin it like him. No way. He's no a, one can spin it like him. It's amazing, Daddy Dan. You know uh, the the thing that really annoys me about this is not just that they've targeted a human. You've explained why they did that, but they knew back then, and now that it gets leaked to the Australian, the incident report. Now they're playing scramble to explain themselves and justify themselves. How many so, times has this happened in the last 12 months, though? This is such a government thing. Maybe I'm naive, but I feel like if it wasn't leaked to the Australian, then then it, it just never would have come out. They would have just let that guy go down in history. Isn't it? If Credlin hadn't been a raging ball breaker in those press conferences, do you think that Eccles would have lost his job? Absolutely not. This is This is... They never would have fired him. They had the phone records. They knew until it comes out they won't do anything. There's, like, there's definitely a theme with this, with government in general, not just this one. Um, 
can be applied to federal as well, just to be very yeah, clear, absolutely. nonpartisan. Um, you know, things come out that otherwise wouldn't have been dealt with or should have been dealt with, and once they come out, they scramble to deal with them. Oh, look, the libs are dodgy too. I just think oh. that, that right now, Labor has proven to be worse. I um, I say health, this I say this as someone who voted Labor in the last state election. Um, Whoa! Yeah, yeah. You? How dare you? I know. All of we, well, I was favouring. Yeah, but all these problems are your fault. You do you know what's interesting? Dan in. Do you know what's interesting? I worked. You in need to leave my studio right now. <laughs> how do you think I feel? <laughs> I deal with my own consequences. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was working in government at the time, and the attitude amongst government, particularly when you have a left versus right election, is you're voting for your job. And you were? At the time, it, you know, in theory, you were voting for your job because you know if the libs get in, they'll do cuts. Um, to be honest, the public service needs some serious... Cuts. Just, it needs some work. Like, there are so many people there, just need some better performance management. You just put some better performance management in, half the trash will take itself out. I had a lady come in here from the DHHS. Oh, just personally, family visit, mm. right, friends. I just met her, and friends of my wife, and she goes, um, I work in the DHHS. Oh, is it true about the... She says, it is a joke. I They don't do no, any work. I'm the only one who works in, the whole, in my whole department. I don't know why I'm there. Because yeah. everyone's just lazy. And, but this is the thing, you know, I, that was not the department I worked in. Um, at, but if you worked in government, this is one of the reasons why my page started. The idea of DHHS being the ones in charge. If you worked in government, you just went, Not them. No. Anyone but them. They're, they're Put Vic Rhodes in charge. Oh, my close second. <laughs> close second. But you, you wouldn't want that. No, they are known as a mess of a department and they have for a C very long compared time. Compared to other departments. Compared to other departments. So put, yeah, put someone else in charge. Hey, does that, that are you telling me that if you would go back in time, would you change your vote? Would you, if you knew what was going to happen, would you still have voted Labor at the last state election? Possibly, but only because of some of the things that had come up from Guy at the time that were technically kind of valid concerns about back when he was in government. Um, this is one of the reasons why I was against Guy being in charge again. Um, this has turned out a little bit spicier than I expected. Um, I was against him being in charge again because if you look uh, at his past history and some of the accusations that have been leveled against him for some of his more questionable deals or approvals that he's done, you go through it and you just go, mm. Dodgy. Uh, something you're just like, oh, are you telling the truth or you're not? And like, I I'm think I'd rather a dodgy liberal leading us through this health crisis right now than Dan. Well, but this is the thing, you know, at the time you weren't voting for a health crisis. It's very difficult to say yes, now. Yes, but yes. at the same time as well, we've seen so much change in the last couple of years from the left in general, you know, I'm a very, very, very swing central voter. Yeah. I have things on both sides that I really, really heavily agree with yeah. um, and things that I disagree with. But I don't know what is going on with the left at the moment, particularly the Labour Party. I have a couple in the Labour Party I really, really uh, like and respect in politics. You know, Jacqueline Symes, for example, I would love to see the party just go a little bit more towards what she represents, where she's very articulate, she's very intelligent, she's very mature. Um, she is fantastic under pressure mm. in when when she's in the house. And you don't get that with a lot of their other MPs. Mm. They they sound 
almost intoxicated when they talk. They can barely structure a sentence together. Can you tell me the good, who the good Labour MPs are, please? So Jacqueline Simes, anyone else? Um, I'm going to not list at the moment. Oh, you don't want to list? No, I won't list at the moment. Oh. Jacqueline is one that I'm very comfortable saying. The others I have some hit and miss. I'm just wondering who to look for for a good interview. Tell me off here. I will. All right, to round off this uh, segment about Nebulizer Man, I have an article from The Age. Do you know anything about Annika Smethurst, the state political editor? For the yes, Age? she's she, done a couple of good pieces. Is she uh, heavily biased either way? Is she generally pretty good? This is the whole Murdoch media thing. What? what, what? Well, well, this the is Age. the whole concept of, you know, Murdoch media will always try and bash Labour, blah, blah, blah. Well, she's not Murdoch. Is The Age not Murdoch? She's The Age. That's Sydney Morning Herald, Fairfax, Channel 9. Oh, my Lefty bad. reg. Oh, I lose track. They yeah. all... So, anyway, this is what she's written, right? <clears throat> about this uh, whole leaked hotel quarantine report that we've been talking about. She's come out now and said that the government's willingness to mislead the public and deflect blame for outbreaks... Pardon the quote. Very interesting. This whole article, I should link to this below. It's called Culture of Cover-Up puts Victorians at risk. 100%. And this leads back to the culture that I was just referencing before that needs an overhaul, where there is no accountability, there is no strict performance management processes within government at the moment. Um, you get someone who can't do their job, they'll just get shuffled around departments. Yeah, sounds like uh, a Japanese company I used to work at. They, they, um, the point is, though, this is mainstream media and of the traditionally labour-supporting variety at uh, the age... Uh, saying things like this. The most alarming revelation in the leaked report is that we were told our system was gold standard when that wasn't the case. I mean, you're only six months behind us, but well done, whatever your name is. Uh, to make matters worse, those at the very top hid the truth and shifted the blame onto someone else. She's talking about nebulized men. We know that the man the Victorian government accused of sparking the outbreak and the five-day lockdown was not at fault. Instead, the review found that the cause of the outbreak was an infected patient being swabbed with the door open and allowing partial fragments of the virus to blow down the corridor. This isn't the only time we've been misled, Em. Really? Yeah. Oh. We still don't know who made the decision to use private security guards at quarantine hotels. And this culture of cover-up and misplaced blame is dangerous. The state government would be wise to drop the charade that our hotel quarantine system is perfect. It's nice to see the mainstream finally calling with Andrew's government out. I will say there was a really good article done that was by Annika and another journalist called on Paul Sakal. And Paul is someone that I've been following quite a bit lately. He recently won a journalism award in Melbourne. He was the one that got up in the press of following the five-day snap lockdown. And he was the one who got up and directly asked what relevant movement did this lockdown restrict? In Parliament, he asked this? He asked this in a presser, live. In a presser, sorry, press conference. And, and what was the answer? Dan said that... Um, oh, Dan was... Oh, Dan was there, yep. He said, yeah. oh, I'll, I'll leave that for our commander. Yeah, that's right. What did he say? Oh, what is it, Weimar? Um, <laughs> I call him something else, so I'm just not going to say that. <laughs> the com testing commander. Yes, the testing commander, which is possibly the... title. Oh, the stupidest name in public service history. People which could... Is, yeah, it just makes us laugh at him. It's oh, it's helpful. ridiculous. Yeah. He loves reading out stats of a piece of paper as well. He's a testing commander. Anyway, what did he say? He, he just deflected. Not, neither of them answered the question. Oh, well done. Well done. Yeah. But so I'm. you can start to see these journalists and some of them coming out now asking really relevant questions. Um, if you start talking about, you know, some of Annika's comments here, mislead the public and deflect blame for outbreaks. Now, yeah. you get someone like Dan who stands up and says, I'm responsible. I'm 
you know, the buck stops with me. No, it doesn't. What, well, what consequences have you suffered? None. None? No, he broke his back. That's unrelated. <laughs> One can argue. <laughs> I got you. Uh, I'm not, not going to use the word karma. Um, <clears throat> I will not use the word karma. So, but, you know, he hasn't suffered any consequences as a result of losing his job. He's binned ministers. He's binned his own right hand, which if you've ever worked in politics, Chris yeah. Eccles was yeah. his yeah. right. The you fact that he that. was willing to sacrifice him to save himself. I saw Dan Andrew's office the other day. His office? Yeah. 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 I, I got a tour of the internals. Oh. Some police. I saw I saw O'Brien's office. Very nice. O'Brien's office is right next to um, Dan's office, and O'Brien's office is kind of like regal. Most of the offices are quite nice in Parliament. Mm. Dan's is cold and clinical, glass doors like yeah, it's fitting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, part of that is just Renos. The, the oh, building, the yeah. buildings themselves are quite nice. In, it's in the really nice interior part of the um, of the Parliament, all nice columns and whatever. And then Dan's office is this glass thing in the middle of it. It looks really cold in amongst all this warm stone and stuff. Mm. Anyway, like his heart. Anyway, I'm being very mean. If Josh were here today, he'd be saying, stop being so mean to Dan Andrews. I'm probably not going to be that person. Last segment. We need to talk about <laughs> uh, surgery. Oh, what? Caitlyn Jenner. Caitlyn Jenner. Oh, yes. All right. Uh, what do you think of surgery? Ah, oh, to each their own. What do you think about cosmetic surgery? I'm very much a to each their own. What do you think about my hair? You have hair still? <laughs> Some. Is this something that you're going to be? I think I would like to fix my hairline through surgery. Mm, there's lots of different options. Yes. Thanks. Well, uh, this is about Caitlyn Jenner who's also had surgery. Might be a little uh, bit more extreme than a hairline. Yeah, yeah. I, I've always, I've never been a big fan of surgery, but I'm, I'm having some consultations with uh, Grow Clinics in Melbourne. In fact, they're, they're, they're going to be our first sponsor of the show. I think I'm going to oh, have them exciting. as a sponsor and have the surgeon on. I'm a bit nervous about getting hair restoration surgery where they bring my hair back to where it was. See, I've got a lot of forehead here to deal with. Mm. So I'm going to have them on and be like, am I crazy? Should I do this? Well, men always have that challenge if you get to that halfway point. Do I try and save it or do I commit and shave, shave it off? off? I think my head shape is not great for shave off. Anyway, that'll be fun. <laughs> uh, because there's a lot of people out there who want to do surgery and stuff. And mm. it's a shark. It's a shark tank. Because mm. I've been researching different hair restoration yeah, yeah, transplant yeah. places. It's hard to navigate who's telling the truth and who's tricking you. So I'm hoping I'll document my journey and hopefully it helps people. Yeah. All right. Caitlyn Jenner mm. is a... She won the Olympics or something as a male, right? She was a power. When I say I know very little about the Jenners and the Kardashians, I could not be more serious. All right, I'll tell you about it. <laughs> She's a transgender woman, man, whatever. She yeah. was a man, now a woman. Yeah, that part I do know. Okay. But I don't watch their shows. I don't follow any of their social medias. Okay. Now, Caitlyn Jenner, so she's trans. So she's like pro all that stuff, right? Uh, she's been under fire this week for suggesting that in the U.S., Males who transition to become females should not be allowed to compete in female sports. Because mm -hmm. then you have this, you have someone who looks like me, mm -hmm. but um, female version, but muscles and big frame, mm. come and do powerlifting against you. Mm. You know, that's not fair. Well, that's and my voice sounds like this. Well, that's that's, that's argument, isn't it? Is it fair or not? Okay. Well, this is what they. This is what she said. This is a video of her doing a doorstop. 
So there's legislation in various states to ban biological boys or trans from playing girl sports in school. What's your opinion on that? Uh, in that. This is a question of fairness. That's why I oppose biological boys who are trans competing in girl sports in school. It just isn't fair. And we have to protect girl sports in our but, but, but if someone transitions and now identifies as a girl, isn't it delegitimizing their identity to prevent Have a them? good day. Good idea to cut it off and say have a good day at that point. So yeah. she's catching fire because she backed it up with a tweet. So she tweeted this. Uh, I'm clear about where I stand. It's an issue of fairness and we need to protect girls' sports in our schools. Personally, I mean, I think that's it's obvious. you got a whole bunch. You know, I've got two daughters. And uh, for them to have to compete against all the men who may take over the, the sports, um, the transgender, male to female men, my, my daughters will never win anything. Back in the day under the age of 12, you can kind of physically yeah, compete against absolutely. one another and, and it's fine. I mean, mm. back when I was younger, I used to win. Puberty's the kicker. Puberty's the kicker. And you start to get to the point where the conversation, the example I will give is when I was re much younger and I was about 10, I wanted to play footy because my friends were playing footy. And at the time they only allowed mixed up until about the age of 11 or 12. Mm. And now obviously, I go down my local park, I see the all-girls teams playing, and that for me is something I love to see because when I was younger, that was what I really wanted to be able to do, and mm. it just didn't exist. Um, but my mum wouldn't let me do it because she said, you know, it's getting to that point where you can get really seriously injured, mm. which... How sexist of her. Given how injured some of my friends have gotten, like the concept, you will get injured in footy. Doesn't matter what gender you are. Mm. I had a friend of mine break his ribs last week. Mm. So... But when you start talking about massively stacking height and weight differences, you know, you look at professional fighting sports, you have weight classes. Mm -hmm. And if you start looking at things like people going, oh, you know, X weight class against Y weight class, people are going, they're going to flatten them mm -hmm. because of weight. Or male and female fighting UFC or boxing y or something. Yeah, That's but crazy. even then, I think that they match them pretty well based on weight, don't they? Uh, okay, well, I'm just I'm, going off experts like Joe Rogan and commentates, yeah, commentates yeah. on it and said this is crazy because we're going to have men in there screwing up females. I think part of the um, controversy around it has been the fact that there have actually been some serious injuries recorded so far mm. um, by that have been inflicted by people who were trans and who particularly those who transitioned later in life. Mm. Um, but again, I think as well that can come become two different arguments, you know, kids in school versus adults. Transitioning. When, you know, did they fully complete puberty? Yeah, as that's one? huge. That, that makes a big difference. You know, did they fully complete puberty to the point where they have an incredibly different physical structure? Yeah. Or did they not? And I think, like with most things, not to be rude, but one of my biggest pet hates, particularly with, this is both sides of politics, but the left are sometimes worse at it, is simplifying complex things and getting emotional about it. So you can't have a nuanced discussion about these sorts of things. You'll get like what happens to Jenna where it goes, you're, I think someone called her transphobic she or some, trans. something insane like that, you yeah. know. Um, and this was a conversation we were having off, off camera about, you know, the left eating their own. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So this is the point. I forgot the point of this segment. All right. So George Takei, also gay. Mm. Uh, I mean, not also gay. She's not gay. 
I can't keep up with the pronouns. I hereby apologize. All right, so George Takei is gay guy, big on LGBT rights, um, loves Caitlyn Jenner. Here we are in 2015. Welcome to the party, Caitlyn Jenner. You're stunning inside out. Great, you know, love, happiness, be who you are, mm-hmm. come and have a cuddle, you're brave, you're stunning. But then look now, 2021, Caitlyn Jenner is no friend of the LGBT community. Don't call her an activist. She's a menace. And we are, this is one example. But we see this all the time, what you've just said. The lack of nuance going down into simple... Uh, classifications on on Twitter, uh, and you get, um, what do you call that, juxtapositions like this all over Twitter. There's a great Facebook page you can follow called I Hypocrite. Oh, that sounds good. There's another called Garbage Human. (laughs) What they do is they take people's statuses bang, bang like this, Mm. and they show people being completely contradictory. Uh, I find this interesting, the left eating itself, because the paradigm of the left where you have to um, on the on the first tweet, you have to embrace someone for who they are is not actually true, because if they don't align to your political ideology, you no longer embrace them. So to me, there's a contradiction there. You only be tolerant until someone disagrees with you. Then don't be tolerant. You know? Yeah, the strange. In, yes, no, the uh, the tolerant left that wants everybody to be accepted and you know more equality, so they've given everyone more labels um, until they shouldn't be accepted. Well, I find I find it so interesting. A lot of the ideology, and I don't have any problem whatsoever with better equality, with mm. you know having a more fair and equitable society where people are more understanding and more tolerant. Right. Um, do I think having everyone have labels achieves that? Not particularly. And you you start to get to this point where, okay, LGBTQ, a friend of mine posted something about this the other day. It, it wasn't really anything offensive. It was just a, an observation. How can bisexual be factually accurate if there's not two genders? It's contradictory. Yeah, exactly. So w- what are you then? You're then... I think it's um, pansexual, which means that gender doesn't matter. You're attracted to whoever. We're going down a rabbit hole now. Uh, we're going we? down a rabbit hole. But like the, it's curly, curly, but, curly. Uh, but this is the problem. It comes from a, a pious moral ground yeah. where if you step wrong, you are punished. And one of the yeah. biggest contradictions I see that you get people saying you are transphobic, you're racist, you're whatever it is, ist you need to do better. And what happens, however, if it comes out that someone, particularly someone in the public eye, who does better now, in the past didn't, yes. they want to cancel them. Yes, this is bringing up people's histories. Yep, yeah. so Wahlberg, for example, I think was a big one. Mark Wahlberg. Yep, he uh, did some particularly racist things in his past. Um, or people who have made... He's uh, a criminal in his past. He's uh, a completely different man now. Yeah, yeah. But, but this is the problem. You know, it's very difficult to take on board a group saying we're all about openness and acceptance unless you don't agree with us then, then we not. won't accept you this is why i think the left you got to be careful if you're of the left or if you buy into any of this stuff if you buy into the nice lovey-dovey on the top left that's great but just be careful because what happens is you end up getting cancelled by the very thing that you're embracing. This is funny, you know, you don't really see the there's crazy people on the right, of course, but you don't Absolutely. really see them cancelling turning on their own as much as you see the left turning on their own. And this worries me because we're getting a lot of people drift, like uh, Dave Rubin, uh, what's that comedian, Bill Maher? These people are drifting from the left to the right. 
we're going to mm. end up with a big society of right. And my, my concern is actually for the left. The left play a very important role in our society in terms mm-hmm. of fairness, equality. This is not right. Corruption in business and mm. big government, all that kind of stuff. Environment, and they are being lambasted on shows like this as idiots, like clown. Yep. They're losing their... And the Greens, we've just paid out the Greens for oh, a whole episode. The Greens are such an easy target. I know, but the problem is the good <laughs> stuff that they do and stand for, uh, like more, I don't know, trees, whatever. Refugees, they do a lot of ref- really good stuff refugees. with refugees. Who is going to take up that fight when, when we're just going to become this giant right-wing... People worry about us becoming left-wing and woke. I'm concerned about us losing the left and becoming all right-wing. I think it's because part of the left has gone a little too far left for the vast majority. And so I love watching, particularly on Twitter, you know, you get these extreme left, extreme in any direction, accusing the other side of being extreme. And they are what they're accusing the other of being. And it's just, that's probably 90% of Twitter, to be quite honest. Um, But it is difficult. And I guess it, it is also a little bit hard to say that this is a leftist take. I do have a lot of uh, friends or people that I know that would consider themselves as centre or even right that don't have a problem with Caitlyn Jenner. They don't have a problem with a lot of that stuff. It's when you start to get to this moral piousness of, mm. you know, you must have this stance or if not, you are bad. Mm. That's that's really what I think bothers a lot of people. Um and so it's it's interesting. But I agree, you know, seeing what has become of sort of going too far to the left. Like, one of the arguments that came out when the Victorian government released that guideline to uh, language in the office and oh, encouraged, yeah. encouraged yeah. the lack of use of husband and wife and so yeah. on and so forth. Now, I saw some really great comments online from people in the LGBTQ community who said, I fought for decades to call my wife, my wife, my husband, my husband. I will not have that taken away from me. Amazing. And being eaten again, it becomes being eaten. It goes, how far is too far? And, um, how much are you playing up to a loud voice? You see, you know, brands getting canceled or Mm. actions being taken. If you actually look at how many people had a problem with it, it's, you know, half a dozen people, Mm -hmm. the rest of Mm -hmm. society didn't, care they understand that it's a brand name like them banning coon cheese Mm -hmm. when the guy's name was coon don't you dare change golden gay times oh that was funny that was that was funny um i did i did quite enjoy the gay community's response to that on twitter some of them really took the piss with that and that was fantastic they want a gay time it it says a lot when the gay community starts (laughs) saying this is ridiculous like we it i feel like if you are someone who is very serious about fighting for like basic inequality and basic things like that when you see things like that it trivializes it Mm -hmm. if you're at the point where you know in the trans community or in the gay community you feel like you are not safe walking down a street or you're not safe being open about who Mm -hmm. you are and someone wants to change the name of an ice cream it's a joke the comparable for what you're trying to achieve is is not really kind of there. So I do find it interesting. I do agree that the left are really important. You look at things like Medicare. I yeah, would use that yeah, as a peak yeah. example. Yeah. That is something I would never want to see disappear from this country. Yeah. Um, I think it is a fantastic system, and it was given to us by the left. You yeah, know? exactly. Unions, exactly. when they first existed, 
were great. Yes. And I agree with the theory. We needed the unions to begin back mm. in the day. And in theory... Now not so much. But in then. theory, I do still agree with their existence as a concept. You know, workers' rights, having that voice. They're so corrupted, it's not funny. That's the problem. <laughs> you can have something where the intent is good, uh, but the yeah. current... You had Brad Batten on recently in your show, mm. talking about the fire union, the dodginess going no, on. No, no, we haven't spoken about that yet. Oh, that's, that's blow-up stuff. Hey, can I sum up this segment uh, mm. with this? Uh, be careful when you cancel people, because eventually the mob will come for you and you'll be cancelled too. I need to give a shout-out to my local council. Can you believe it? I'm going to do an ad for my council. Oh, this will be good. Yeah. Because councils are usually rubbish, right? And councils... Some of them are. Some of them are all right. I have to do a shout out to my local council because that truck you hear out the window right now, do you know what they're doing? What? My, my bin broke. You know, okay, my wheelie okay. bin, yeah. Big story for the People's Project. <laughs> and so I went onto the website to see what do you do, do you pay, I don't know what. And they said, just fill out this form if you've been broke, tell us what happened. And then I filled it out. Within about an hour and a half, I got a phone call from the council. The lady was so happy. Like, I don't know why you're so happy. She's so friendly. And she says, what happened? Oh, your bin's looking quite sad. That's terrible. We'll replace it tomorrow. Just put it out on the curb. That was yesterday. Here we are. I've got a new bin. Nice. Sometimes they do Professional, work. Professional, kind, well, efficient. Mm -hmm. Manningham Council. Very well nice. done. Much better than uh, what the Greens stacked one is trying to do. I think it's in the Yarra, Yarra Council, where they uh, decided to increase the fees on children's sporting grounds to the point where they... Can you please just roads, rates and rubbish, okay? <laughs> All right. Some of the councils are great. Some of them leave a little bit to be desired. Um, it really depends on the area, and it's, it is interesting seeing each council sort of... How, what they choose to do, why, what political party they tend to be stacked with, and how that affects their policies, um, and you know, suburb to suburb. You all, you all need to move to Warrandyte, Mitcham, Doncaster, Templestowes, or Manningham Council because mm -hmm. I don't care if that's run by Dan Andrews; they're doing a bloody good job, and I love them. What is coming up this week in politics? <laughs> this is how we're going to end the show. Tell all us right. what. Not this week. This because I'm probably not going to see for a while. This month. This month. Um, so next week is big. Next week, the federal budget drops. Now, mm. given the year, it's 2021. Spending. Spending. So we are obviously in a horrific budget position, state and federally, uh, thanks to 2020. So Whatever. Thanks to Rad, Gillard, Turm uh, Abbott, Turnbull. They're all being crap at it. Mm. Look, uh, there is... And I, I, I will say, you know, part of the conversation online is blaming COVID for the deficit that we have at the moment. It, it wasn't just COVID. Like, we, no we weren't in a great budgetary position beforehand. Yeah. That needs to be acknowledged. Yeah. However it went from bad to horrific. Yeah. So, and it's really interesting. I think we're going to see with the federal budget coming out, obviously our state budget then comes out yes. afterwards. So that's yes. going to be the 20th of May. Now, both of these budgets will more than likely form massive areas of political battleground in the yep. upcoming elections, both state and federally. As in sport barreling, who can spend the most? Well, this is going to come down to it. If we are in a lot of debt, most voters don't want to see excessive spending Do we care? On we're so deep. Just keep going at this point. Oh, I feel like when you start looking contextually at the numbers, it, like when you look contextually about this is the debt we've been in for the last X number of years, yeah. this is the debt we've managed to accrue in 12 months. Yeah. When you start looking at that, you go, okay. Yeah, because but there's no change in our lives. Dan Andrews and Labor governments will still get them to say we're still going to have the same level of services. 
nothing actually changes day to day except there's some scary number that the libs go on about. Oh, yeah. Look, some of the arguments that come out are ridiculous. From a federal perspective, you know, we saw um, last week the federal Labor, the opposition, came out and said, oh, you know, we're going to fund 90% of the second child childcare fees, etc. And then the Libs came out and said, we're going to fund 95%. See, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. So they're playing ball with that. Unfortunately, a lot of Albo's policy suggestions that have come out so far in terms of spending have been very uh, social issue orientated. And historically speaking, just from my perspective, just from, uh, observationally, um, from a federal perspective, when we're in a bad budgetary place, people care a little bit more about money. And at the end of the day, we've also lost most of our sources of income as a country. Mm. We actually relied very heavily on tourism, mm -hmm. um, both international students and general tourism. And so the loss of, you know, if you look at a balance sheet and your income goes like this and your debt goes like this, most people have at least the general fiscal sense to say, you know, keeping this down and putting this up is probably not a good idea long term. That's not mm. a great idea. Mm. And so the policies that come out will be important. Obviously, once federal drops their budget, it will be a process of the opposition going, this is ridiculous. They mm. didn't do this. Mm. They should do this, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Um, but the importance of federal dropping means our state one will come next. Um, and they'll go on a big spend, surely. Labor, Victorian mm. government. Yes and no. Our, our current budget position doesn't leave them much, to be honest. Like, I understand that this government does not care about what they spend for yeah. the most part, yeah. but they... He, it, just, he just announced that recently, pre-budget, that he's going to replace our uh, trams with really cool ones now, right? They're going to have no overhead wires, they're going to have rubber wheels, and... No tracks required. I know. Amazing the... new buses, uh, trams. Yes, yeah, that was that was so funny online. I normally journalists on Twitter or things like that don't kind of poke fun too much at stuff, but they had a grand time with that. Every single one was going, "Is it? it it's a bus. Like it's a, it's a, yeah." Anyway, at huge a expense. Anything to improve our transport system, to be honest. True, and um, he's going to replace all the buses to be electric by twenty twenty five, which is only. Four oh, I years laughed! Away. I laughed aloud at that. Good luck. Um, not, not with the way that our population is distributed. Good luck. Not in four years. Ranges, yeah. Um, so, you know, there's that part, but it will become a massive battleground as well, where obviously from a general, uh, perspective from the population, they sort of see, you know, labor being very social issues. Um, they have made those infrastructure investments, which it always sucks being the government that makes those investments because you get hammered for what you do to the budget. Mm. But some of the infrastructure investments like the, uh, second city loop, Mm -hmm. That, that in my opinion, is necessary. Our public transport cannot cope with peak hour at the moment. But Dan Andrews does stuff like cancelling the East-West link. Oh, he hasn't replaced it with anything else. That's an entire different... Now, I know he had his reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he went to an election promising he'd cancel it. But I would really He also like went that. to an election promising that it wasn't worth the paper it was written on. It turns out it was worth about $650 million. Well, it was a billion. But so you saying that... No, we... no, that's what it cost us. Yeah. So he said that this billion-dollar project yeah. wasn't worth the paper it was written on, which is completely factually untrue, um, and it's cost the taxpayer hundreds of millions of dollars to get out of a contract for literally nothing. Yeah, we didn't get anything. We got nothing in return. We got a cancelled contract. So, um, I'd love to be that company. Oof. No work, but you get the money. Yes, there's a, it's a bit of a government thing. But <laughs> one of the things that will come out of this, obviously, you know, you see Labor tending to lean towards more social policies and... Mm. Um, 
that sort of spending and then you get the libs going you know we want to see cuts to taxes to improve mm-hmm. business we want to see this so it will be in my opinion this budget will be big for how the election um arguments or you know policy bases sort of sort of pan out um and we obviously have one more budget to go before the 2022 mm-hmm. election but it's not really enough time between them dropping that budget and the election for it to have as much impact that next 12 months with this budget, they will use that as much as possible to garner support, to try and, you know, develop their policy base over it. Um, so I think it will be really interesting um, in terms of what they do. You know, Labor gets up and goes, oh, the Libs are going to cut infrastructure funding. Have you seen how much you've put into infrastructure funding? They just need to not spend billions of dollars and it's a cut. Like, you have spent mm. more than any other government in history mm everything's going to be a cut compared to what you spent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this argument that the Libs are going to cut infrastructure funding, yes, because the amount that you have spent is literally unprecedented. So by default, they will cut it because they will not spend a more than unprecedented amount while we are in an obscene amount of debt. So, it, you know, sometimes the arguments that come out are not necessarily particularly logical, but I think it will be very interesting. I think it will be interesting if and when Dan comes back. Next month. Yeah, and if Yay. he continues on as premier and makes it to the polls, which rumour is that he wants to, yeah. whether or not that happens, but rumour is that he wants to, um, and what will happen with that as well. But I would love to see what happens if he's not at the helm. That party is in some big trouble. Yeah, we, we, we think about Labor being so powerful and strong and Libs being weak, but we, if you remove Dan, it's like 80% of the power is in that one man. Oh, absolutely. Political I don't know power. if you've heard Molino speak at a presser, but there's a reason Shocking. There's a reason why he tends to do a presser and then disappears for a week. Thank God. I love it. I love it. I love it. Get, get out of our lives. Leave us alone. All right. Well, that was good. Well, so, thank yeah. you for doing an episode of The People's Project. Thank you for having me. Enjoy watching it. You're going to watch yourself. I'm going to watch myself. It's always an interesting It's experience. not so easy. You know, you, we all sit back and we see other people presenting. Oh, they, should, they said that wrong word. I should have said that better. But then when you do it, you go, this is... Um, Oh, absolutely. Fun. And, you know, this is one of the reasons why this is one of the first pre-filming things I've ever done. Normally I do my things live because the pressure actually helps. Oh, right. Yeah. You've right. just got to go through what you've got to go through, get it done, and that's it. Yeah. So. Well, thank you for bringing a political slant. And next week, guest host is Bev MacArthur. Bev MacArthur is an MP from uh, Western Victoria, regional MP. I like her because she can be quite salty. I like Bev. She's got some spice in it. She's got spice. I like authenticity. Like, give me a person that has a personality. I don't care if they agree a little bit. I don't even have to agree with them all the time. Absolutely. If there are any Greens people or uh, Labour MP, anyone like that, you are more than welcome to come here and co-host an episode with me. would love to hear a big greenie view. That would be great. Then they're not going to come on. No, they're not. They don't respond to my emails. No, they don't. They are not great with it. People wonder why I've got so many libs coming on. Because they answer my emails. Well, the other thing, and I think that people misinterpret this, is when you're in government, you're suddenly under a lot of strict That's media true. controls about what That's you can true. and can't say. But I think, think the Greens could come on. Yeah. I think you would find that are the Greens really any different to Labor? I think they are. You wouldn't guess with the way they vote. Um, until Labor does something they don't like, which was very funny. Uh, but I think it's interesting, you know, what would happen if and or when the Libs go into politics if they'll still do as many shows like this. If they're they'll probably spent. stop returning my emails. <laughs> How dare you. Uh, ha- How dare hazard you. of the job. Politics for you.
Good. Then I can stop talking to politicians. I'm over it. No, maybe we might get some Labour ones on finally. Oh, yeah, because they want... They'll, they'll swap over. I feel like a... Back to that word, prostitute. Like, I'm just prostituting myself out now. Whoever needs me. <laughs> I'll take... You're like, I'll take whoever will come on the show. Whoever <laughs> <laughs> will pay. <laughs> Not that they pay me anything. No. Right, have a good week. Parting... Anything to say? No. All right. No? Yes? No, I just wanted to say, um, you know... Thank you to everyone who supports the page and has an interest in politics. Oh, and yes. What is your page? Whoops. Voice for Victoria. <laughs> Instagram. Yes. This is where I get all of my news from uh, because somehow you are fast. You are fast. And you I tell me what's... I live on my phone. Yes, yes. And you give some nice uh, salty opinion on top, which is nice. I actually get the comment. And I will say this. People say to me, you know, how do you... You seem like you're very. You must be angry all the time, or whatever. And no, I think it's, it doesn't come across. Like that. No, it's the opposite. I'm very. I'm it's a very hilarious. chill person. But yes, no. I put my commentary on a lot of the news. I post updates on stories. So predominantly Instagram, also on Twitter. Oh. Um, uh, Voice for Victoria. Voice for Victoria mm. um, on both. We will move to Facebook, but I have avoided that platform up until this point, mm. purely because because all I talk about is politics. Facebook has been a bit of a cesspool for that. As if. I'm not on Twitter because Twitter is accessible. Twitter is disgusting. Um, but because I criticise both Liberal and Labour, the trolls don't really know what to do with me. Oh, yes. yes. So I don't cop, yes. I'm a right-wing nut job, I'm a hard lefty, I'm not anything. I'm like, no, I will. if I think you're doing a crappy job, I will say you're doing a, a, a bad job. So... And this is why we follow you. That, and apparently I make politics sound like days of our lives. That's probably one of the best compliments I've ever got. For entertainment, go there. Go to Garbage Human on Instagram. Go Ooh, to yes. uh, I Hypocrite, I comma Hypocrite, on uh, Facebook, and uh, everyone should just uh, move back to Sydney. See you there. Let's do it. I will Let's never go. move to Sydney. It's the best. Nah, I hate it. <laughs>